Hello, you're listening to On Israel in Al Monitor. I'm Ben Kaspit from Tel Aviv. Nothing is official. It's uh, certainly not an option popular among the Likud party's wannabe future leaders. But Knesset member Nir Bakat, relatively unknown in the international arena, has managed to brand himself as the natural successor to Benjamin Netanyahu, if and when. Barkat is 63. He started out in high-tech, developing uh, an antivirus software that was to eventually make him uh, Israel's wealthiest politician. He served for 10 years as mayor of Jerusalem before moving uh, on to national politics. Barkat is a symbol of Israeli success, photogenic, well-dressed, rich, and ambitious. Polls conducted among Likud members who will elect the next leader of Israel's largest, largest party when the time comes show Barkat leading well ahead of other candidates. His relationship with Netanyahu is a mixed bag. Netanyahu is naturally suspicious and Barkat is a worthy suspect. Nonetheless, the two men maintain reasonably cordial ties. Just before the 2020 elections, Netanyahu promised to make Barkat his finance minister. But when Netanyahu formed a new government with his rival Benny Gantz, Barkat did not get the job. It went instead to another Likud leadership uh, contender, Israel Katz. Barkat, for the past year waiting patiently on the Knesset opposition benches, has not given up hope. He has been traveling the world, presenting an image of an assertive, glamorous figure in order to position himself in the best possible spot for the day when the Likud wakes up to the unbelievable fact that the Netanyahu era is over. Barkat is today's podcast guest. We'll speak with him about his just-completed travel to the U.S. and Ukraine, where his visit prompted raised eyebrows. We'll also ask him how he sees the future of a nuclear deal with Iran, about the anti-Israel BDS boycott campaign, about his ties with the Jewish communities in the United States, as well as his special connection with that country. Nir Barkat joins us right after this short break. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Hagedorn, and I'm the State Department correspondent at El Monitor. And I'm Joe Snell, I'm El Monitor's video editor. Let's admit it, this past year has been difficult to stay on top of the news and sift through what's accurate and what's misleading. Let El Monitor help you. If you care about the Middle East and North Africa, you should consider listening to El Monitor's audio series on the Middle East with Andrew Parasoliti and Amber and Zaman, and on Israel with Ben Caspi. You can now watch our newest video podcast, Reading the Middle East with Gilles Capel. You can subscribe to these series on your favorite podcast platforms. And through a host of free daily and weekly newsletters, we offer a range of perspectives with the highest journalistic standards. You can subscribe to these newsletters at almonitor.com. As an award-winning media service headquartered in Washington, D.C., Almonitor has a network of over 160 contributors around the world. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to visit almonitor.com, where you can find all of these newsletters and podcasts, along with first-class reporting and analysis. Now I'm uh, privileged and happy to uh, introduce and welcome to our uh, podcast uh, the former mayor of Jerusalem, 
סיניור ליכוד כנסת ממבר ניר ברקת, היי ניר, תודה רבה שאתם כאן בעוני ישראל ועל מוניטור, שלום ניר. שלום בן, איך אתה? Thanks. Uh, let's start. You just uh, came back uh, or finished your journey in the United States of America. What was the purpose of uh, this trip? Well, uh, there are three issues I raised. Iran, Iran, and Iran. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I spoke to uh, a few congressmen and uh, senators uh, about the threat, the strategic threat that we have from Iran. Um, we're talking about a regime that uh, wants to create a bomb in order to use it. They say it in, in their own language. They're basically saying that they want to destroy Israel. And so I was making the point that you don't make a deal with somebody that wants to take you out of business. Somebody that wants to destroy Israel, what kind of an, an interim deal can you make with them? What we need to do is have no deal and focus on how we create a force that will threaten and deter Iran. from uh, trying to take their course of action and wipe out Israel. And th- this message is one of the most important messages that I um, uh, conveyed in the United States. You know, there is a, not everybody in Israel uh, agrees that uh, a deal is the, is the worst option. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, your position is exactly like, uh, of course, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu in the Likud as a whole. And even the government of Israel, uh, that the nuclear agreement between Israel and the world, I'm sorry, of course, of course, between Iran and the world powers is a strategic disaster. On the other hand, quite a few senior Israeli defense officials, intelligence officials, past and present, believe that an agreement uh, is far better than allowing Iran to continue galloping toward nuclear weapons capability, which no one can or does not want to stop it right now. What do you tell them? Well, I tell them uh, that they're wrong because eventually we're talking about the Middle East. We're talking about a regime that only power or fear uh, that, uh, uh, that, that, that there are armies, Israeli army and others, will take them down. Uh, that is the only thing that may deter them. You know, um, I, I, I want to add another threat that we have. If, God forbid, the, this agreement is signed and billions of dollars goes to Iran, they're going to use it to, um, uh, to, to give it to uh, terrorist regimes all over the world, especially around us. There are 250,000 rockets around Israel using proxies. Uh, and Iran, with their uh, will, strong will to destroy us, and if, if now you give them billions of dollars extra, Uh, they will not stop by uh, to, to stop creating a bomb you know the unfortunately uh, this regime this Islamic regime uh, is willing to lie to send people to commit suicide they will never stick to any agreement any agreement you sign with them they will not stick to it from day one so what's the point giving them more money more ability to uh, to uh, uh, fund terrorist groups all over the world not just to Israel You know, what I basically said to the Americans, to our American friends, is that while we're the small Satan, the United States is the big Satan, according to, the, yeah. uh, to this regime. So what's the point making a deal? You're, you're fooling yourself, whoever thinks that the deal will stop them uh, uh, from creating a bomb. 
The, the incumbent Israeli government has used several sophisticated uh, maneuvers to delay and or prevent a deal with Iran. Uh, it successfully campaigned against Iran's demand to remove the Revolutionary Guards from the U.S. terror list and now against its demand to bury international findings of its uh, suspected nuclear military, military ambitions, the, the, three, the three open files. Can I assume you are willing to credit the current government with these achievements and something else? I'll be happy to know what is your impression because you just came back from Washington. Is these delays are here to stay? What are the the uh, the chances of getting to this? Uh, the sides will reach this deal eventually, uh, finally. Well. I am concerned, uh, but, but I see that there's no decision yet in the current uh, administration in the United States. <clears throat> I'm concerned because I understand that, uh, uh, God forbid, if this deal does get signed, Israel uh, is in big threat, and we must do everything we can to eliminate it. You know, I, I want to add one more thing. The Abraham Accords. The Abraham Accords are threatened by Iran because... Uh, they, they see the bully in the, in the Middle East called Iran threatening not just Israel, but also the moderate Arab states around it. Now, the more we align interest against Iran, the better the chances of expanding the Abraham Accords. If, God forbid, Iran becomes stronger, even the Abraham Accords could be at risk here. Because in the Middle East, you have to be bad with the bad guys and good with the good guys. And if you don't stick to that strategy... The good guys will may fall apart, and this is something that people should understand. Uh, there's much at risk here, uh, and only when Iran will be threatened that we will hit it militarily may they be deterred from uh, uh, from, uh, from 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 their action. Only credible uh, military option, like we're we're used to say. Uh, yes. Let's go back to the United States. There, there's been a steady de distancing in recent years between Israel and the most important uh, uh, congregations there, the Reform and the Conservative Jews. This is uh, in large part of the result of policies adopted by your party leader. Uh, how do you th do you see a, a how do you see this turn of events? Is it appropriate for Israel to campaign against the reform in order uh, to politically appease the ultra-Orthodox? Where, where do you stand in this issue? Because I know you have uh, solid roots, and we'll talk about it in, uh, in America. Well, uh, mind you, remember that I was mayor of Jerusalem for 10 years. And what I've learned uh, managing the most complex city in the world is you have to stick to what we call uh, uh, status quo. Status quo uh, is not just accepting the situation as it is. My interpretation of status quo is you make social compromise for the benefit of living together. You don't convince somebody that he's wrong and you're right. You sort of think of how do you compromise and maintain status quo. I believe in status quo. I believe that uh, uh, we should set expectations for everyone to maintain status quo. It's not perfect uh, for either side, for neither side. However, that philosophy of maintaining status quo is the right one. And, and this is something that we have to pitch to all uh, people, maintain status quo, because that's the best way to live together with compromise. 
So, so how, how you, would you uh, deal with the, with the crisis, uh, for example, around the Western Wall, that uh, the Reform and the Orthodox uh, got in certain moment in history, Netanyahu government voted and approved this uh, compromise that we, they will have, a, you know, the far portion of, of, uh, of this uh, sacred wall, and then it was, uh, was cancelled. Well, eventually you understand that there's disagreement. And status quo means that if you want to change things, you do it with agreement, with consent. Uh, uh, and unfortunately, we have not yet reached that, uh, that consent. But uh, from, from my experience is don't take uni, a one-sided decision. Uh, focus on uh, cooperation. And, and, and if you don't change, that's also fine because you're maintaining status quo. What I learned in my uh, life as mayor of Jerusalem is that if you... Uh, take action against another side, then there's, you're, you're going to get action against you back again. And eventually uh, you, 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 you end up with a status quo where you started. So I'm a big believer in status quo uh, and we should uh, manage the activities of people and not create expectations that cannot be accomplished by either side. Okay, let's move to another issue. You are one of the leading fighters against the... Uh the BDS campaign, uh, how should Israel fight the BDS? Uh, it is doing enough uh, on this uh, front or not? Uh, we have a lot of work to do. Uh, I believe that the, the right thing is focus uh, um, on, you know, people attack us as if though we are not, uh, uh, we have vi violations of human rights. However, we are by far the best democracy in the Middle East by far maintaining freedom of religion, freedom of uh, movement, uh, freedom of press, uh, and, and anything. Uh, and around us in our region, there are violations that are appalling. The world has to see and compare Israel to our region around us, and you'll understand that we will do everything we can to maintain uh, human rights. And on the other hand, our adversaries and our, uh, unfortunately our enemies uh, they are a hundred times worse. And if you really care about human rights, we should align interest with, the, uh, with these organizations that care about human rights and focus on where the real problem is. And it's not in Israel. We are very proud democracy and, and compete with other democracies and human rights. And so I think the approach should be show and demonstrate um, not just what we're doing uh, good, but also focus on where the real problems are. Uh, and then and, and many, many organizations in the world that care about human rights have to go to those BDS supporters and ask them, wait a minute, why are you attacking Israel? You should be attacking where the real problems are. That's one approach. The second approach is we have to use the social media. We have, we're not doing a good job in, in working with our many, many partners around the world in social media and bypass all the traditional uh, ways to communicate messaging I think that's the future. And in social media, you'll find many, many people that are, are seeking the truth that we could use in order to fight, fight and combat uh, BDS. Do you think most of BDS comes uh, actually from uh, anti-Semitism? Certainly, you, you find the correlation between the two. Uh, unfortunately, yes. And you also could find BDS connection to uh, Hezbollah and terrorist groups that are funded by Iran and others. Uh, we could certainly see that uh, uh, the people creating the fake news uh, and focusing on targeting Israel 
are politically uh, motivated. Some of it is hate to Jews all over the world, and some of it is hate to Israel. And uh, uh, they're very certainly strongly linked together. I think the world understands that uh, the BDS is uh, a new way of anti-Semitism focusing on Israel. Can you tell us, uh, Nir Barkat, uh, about your personal connection to the United States? Well, uh, I, I grew up, uh, I spent three years in the States when I was a child. My father did his postdoctoral thesis in uh, Pasadena and Caltech, and then in Ithaca in New York and Cornell. Uh, and so I learned uh, and, uh, to love and to appreciate the United States as a huge superpower. Uh, the majority of my business life uh, as a high-tech entrepreneur, I did in the United States. And uh, I understand how to do business with America and to appreciate the shared values that we have. We are, I see, as practically all Israelis, the United States of America is the best partner uh, we have. Um, and uh, I believe that we should maintain and do a better job uh, in uh, focusing on bipartisan issues and getting more bipartisan support in the United States. Uh, I understand how important this is. And uh, I'm uh, very happy to spend uh, every few uh, months. I come to the United States, to New York, to Washington, sometimes to the West Coast, to maintain the relationship and hear and listen and also speak to develop that relationship as much as we can. Do you believe that the United States, maybe I'll ask this way, the, the American administration, current administration, Biden's administration is a, is a devoted supporter of, uh, of Israel because it's not, it's not a secret that uh, Netanyahu did not have a good relationship with Democrat presidents, especially Barack Obama, and there is a gap between the support of the Republicans and the the what what is going on between the Democrats and Israel? Although this current current government approved the situation, but what what's your take on this issue? Well, I think we all sides understand that strategically we have to be aligned. Sometimes naturally there are uh, differences of opinions on the uh, on on action on, on some actions, but we have to look beyond that, and we have to uh, realize that strategically long-term, we have to align interests. And even if there's some tension, uh, it could be personal, it could be others. We all understand that we have to put that aside and focus on, as I believe we are, in aligning interests on security and intelligence. I think the United States and Israel have an, an amazing relationship. By the way, even with presidents that did not agree uh, with the, our uh, uh, prime minister uh, fully, uh, we had full agreement on the technology and the security and on economics and, and exchanging uh, technology and high tech uh, so, and culture. So I think that we have to look at a broader picture. And I'm happy that Israel is such a great partner and the United States is such a great partner to Israel. Hey, let's move to Ukraine. You stopped there on your way to the United States. Please tell us why. Well, uh, from day one in, uh, in, in this unfortunate uh, uh, war, I believe personally that Israel should align interest with uh, Ukraine and the Western world and the United States. And uh, this is my personal opinion. Uh, there, are, um, there are challenges. Ukraine is under um, you know, an invasion of a bully 
And my belief is that uh, the world should unite against bullies. Uh, if it's uh, the invasion of uh, Russia to Ukraine, and similarly, if it's the threat of Iran against Israel and the whole world using terror and, and, and trying to create a bomb. So the alignment here, my thought is that we have to align interest. And so I decided on the way to the United States to go and show my personal support um, and share with them some of my perspective as mayor of Jerusalem, uh, being in uh, a few times uh, a city under fire, different kind of fire, but still uh, some of the challenges that I have learned. And I went there to support. I met the head of the parliament. I met the mayor of Kiev. I was there uh, invited by the chief rabbi of Ukraine and spent a lot of time with him learning the challenges that the Jewish people have there. And there are challenges that we must help them. And so for me, it was uh, to show my support and share that experience in the United States. Uh, you've been severely critical of Israel's policy, which is not uh, sufficiently pro-Ukrainian in your view. On the other hand, Israel, as you know, has an interest in preserving its relationship with Russia and the cooperation with the Russian army on our northern front. Don't you agree with what this government is trying to do? Walk a delicate balance between its support for Ukraine and dependence on Russia for our fight against Iran's entrenchment in Syria and Lebanon? You know, as a Jew, as an Israeli, Um, yeah, certainly, of course, we'd like to maintain relationship with all parties. If we could, in peacetime, it's probably possible. And uh, I believe that we should, uh, as much as we can, maintain relationship with uh, all parties uh, involved. However, uh, eventually, when there's war, you cannot be neutral. You cannot be neutral. And then expect the world not to be neutral uh, when we need them. And therefore, you have to align and say to everyone, look, Uh, let's focus, you know, strive for peace. But in, in this challenge, well, there, there's an oppressor here. There's an invasion here. And we have to be on the side of uh, Ukraine. All Ukraine wants is to become more and more like us in the Western world. Uh, and if all countries would have taken only their interest, uh, we would be in a big problem. So my perspective is when you take a global picture, that you have to align interests. And of course, every country has to come to some kind of way to help, which is a, ba a certain balance. But at the, at, the, at the basics of this, we belong to the Western world. We belong to the uh, alignment of the United States and the European Western world. That is our uh, strategic partner and we have to be with them. Finally, uh, we are uh, facing election in Israel, November 1st. Do you believe in the chances of Likud? Uh, headed by Benjamin Netanyahu to reach this goal uh, of 61 mandates uh, without uh, being dependent on uh, Benny Gantz and other guys, or other players in the political map. Do you think it, it is going to happen this time? Uh, I do. Um, Israel has many, many challenges. Security, economy, uh, many reforms needed to dramatically upgrade our potential and, 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 and our future. Uh, and only the Likud, headed by Netanyahu, can form a stable government that will last four years and, and take these uh, uh, challenges on uh, successfully. Uh, Netanyahu is best suited to do that. Uh, we are more organized. H however, now we have to get people out to vote. That is one of the biggest challenges we have. And uh, I believe it's within reach. 
and I'm optimistic, working very hard. Uh, but uh, I'm telling all my all the voters of the Likud, uh, you have to bring your friends to uh, to put the, you know to 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 vote Likud. Otherwise, we're not going to win. It's within reach. It's possible. We have to work very hard and win November first. You, and this is my last question, in all the polls, uh, in all the crowds, uh, Likud members, general public, are uh, the leading candidate uh, to be the next leader of Likud. Of course, not challenging Netanyahu, but after, if and when Netanyahu will uh, leave the, the political arena. Are you ready to be a prime minister in Israel? It's not on the table right now, Ben. Right now, I'm Let's part of the it. Likud. No. Uh, I, loyalty in the Likud and the the party I come from um, is key to the success of our future. And so uh, I'm a loyal Likudnik, loyal to the elected leader, uh, and, and it's not going to change. It's not going to change. We are working together, and I will do everything I can to help Netanyahu and my party win. Former Mayor of Jerusalem, Nir Barkat, uh, Senior Likud uh, Knesset Member, thank you very much for this conversation, for joining us here in Al Monitor. Toda Rabba, Nir. My honor and pleasure. We'll be back right after this short break. Hello, I'm uh, Gilles Kepel, professor at uh, Sciences Po and uh, Normal Sup in Paris and author of a number of uh, books and articles on the Middle East. Through my new podcast, Reading the Middle East, on the award-winning media service and monitor, we will take a deep dive into the trends in the region with the authors and thought leaders who are shaping how we think about the Middle East. Reading the Middle East will be a fantastic addition to Al Monitor's outstanding podcast lineup, including On the Middle East with Andrew Paraziliti and Amber Inzaman, and On Israel with Ben Kaspit. You can subscribe on your favorite listening platforms. We look forward to your joining our conversation. Thank you for uh, staying with us. Knesset member uh, Nibrakat, the leading candidate to be a next Likud leader if and when Benjamin uh, Netanyahu Benjamin quits politics, is actually speaking already as a prime minister. He's not going uh, into politics or Israeli politics, but he's uh, very confident in declaring that uh, no deal, no nuclear deal with Iran will uh, bring safety to Israel or uh, the Middle East. He said uh, that in his visit uh, to the United States last week, he met uh, senators and congressmen and uh, it, uh, spoke with them about it. He said that uh, Iran is a state that declares loudly, clear and loud, that it wants to destroy Israel, to wipe Israel off the map. So what kind of a deal you do with such a state? And uh, so uh, is clear uh, no to any deal. Uh, what we can do, or the world, or the international com community, or the West, or the superpowers, is build a force that will deter Iran and uh, stop the, the nuclear bomb. He said that the only uh, language the Iranians uh, understand is the language of deterrence and power, exactly uh, like what happened in 2003. The only uh, point in history when Iran 
suspended its uh, nuclear or uh, military nuclear uh, developments when the Americans invaded uh, Iraq. Uh, this is on uh, the, the nuclear issue. When we spoke about uh, terror, he mentioned that Israel is uh, surrounded by 250,000 rockets. And uh, I have to be honest, I never thought about this uh, figure because we, we, uh, we analyze or uh, assess that uh, Hezbollah has got uh, something like 150,000 uh, rockets and missiles. By the way, I don't think many states in the world got, uh, got this quantity of, uh, of uh, missiles. But uh, I think Barkat uh, puts into this uh, figure uh, the capabilities of uh, Syria and uh, Iran and Hamas and Hezbollah, etc. And uh, when you take these uh, 2,500, I'm sorry, 250,000 rockets, add to it uh, the extra billions in his language that uh, will uh, boost the Iranian economy if the deal will be signed, you get a lot of trouble. And uh, he told his uh, American counterparts that uh, signing a deal that will uh, allow the Iranians to, to boost terror around Israel and in the Middle East is actually like uh, fooling yourselves. I asked him about his uh, opinion or impression after the, the talks in, the, in Washington about the situation of the, the, the current situation of the negotiation with Iran, and he said that he thinks that no decision was taken yet, not by the Americans and not by the Iranians, but he is still very, very concerned. Another interesting point he, he mentioned is that uh, uh, if Iran, if the deal will be signed and Iran will be strengthened, so the Abraham Accords will be threatened and uh, will be at risk. And this is another reason to, uh, to, to uh, Barkat's uh, opinion that it must not be signed. Uh, in Israeli politics, he, of course, uh, said whatever they have to say in the Likud, that he is confident that Benjamin Tanyahu is able to uh, this time, in a fifth try, to, uh, to reach the, the 61 mandates goal, and Likud is the only party that can form a stable government in Israel and uh, take Israel to the next era because five campaigns in two and a half years is something that even Lebanon, and this is something I say, can't afford. I hope it, uh, you, find, uh, you found this conversation interesting and I think we'll meet here after the Jewish holidays. Uh, meantime, uh, thank you very much for listening. Take care. And bye-bye.